Well, good evening. Uh, tonight's uh, scripture reading is uh, from Ephesians chapter 1, which, uh, quite frankly, is one of the uh, most intense theological passages of the Bible. Uh, however, I'm going to do something different with it. I'll, I'll leave all of those theological complexities to your pastor. Uh, but uh, there's a, there is so much to be uh, learned and gleaned from this passage. So uh, we will uh, read uh, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with his purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The word of the Lord. The world often takes biblical principles and uses them. Quite often, really good movies have weight and power to them because, in fact, they've, they've used biblical principles. And there's something that, that hits the human heart. And why? Well, this is a part of, of God's created order. Uh, Very often, the world will take biblical principles, and as you and I know, they take God out of the equation, out of the biblical principle. And uh, so what happens is the biblical values are are misapplied, they're changed, or they're exaggerated. Uh, So, so for instance, uh, we should care for creation. And you take God out of that, and you get radical environmentalism. Uh, The value of speaking kindly, considerately, and loving to one another, and you take God out of the equation, and you get uh, a political correctness that 
just doesn't seem so correct anymore. Uh, caring for humanity. Having a, having a positive attitude. This is a good thing, but if, if you take God out of having a positive attitude, what's, what's really left? The same is true for, for thankfulness. It's important to be thankful. And uh, there's a lot of people in our world that say, you should be thankful. Um, I don't know if you've heard about TED Talks. Have you? Capital T, capital E, capital D, TED Talks. It began as a, a conferences in California. Uh, when they started in the 90s, it was uh, focusing on technology. So they'd bring in some, some person that's on the cutting edge of some form of technology, and uh, they give a talk to a live audience. Uh, and uh, the talks on purpose were only 10 to 15 minutes. I don't know if I'll have a TED Talk tonight. We'll see. But uh, they were only 10 to 15 minutes cutting edge. Uh, well, this has really uh, taken off. These talks are uh, done across the globe called TED Talks, and many of them are online. Uh, a lot of them have educational value, so a teacher uh, can uh, look these up online, and since they're short, they're kind of nice and uh, can be a good discussion starter with students. Today, they not only deal with technology, but also uh, other areas of science, even psychology, art, human mind, uh, sociology, um, and, and culture. Well, there was a TED Talk that caught my interest. It was by Brother David, a Benedictine monk. This is not a usual TED speaker that they highlight, so I, I uh, watched this video, and uh, Brother David was a Benedictine monk, and he looked the part. Uh, he was a, uh, a concise and well-thought-out speaker. His topic was on thankfulness. He began by saying this, all humans want to be happy. Now, how you define happiness may be different from one person to the other, but all of us on the globe, we want to be happy. And so it's an important question, how can we be happy? And he made the point that um, happy people are not necessarily thankful people, but truly thankful people are happy people. So the way to be uh, to live a life of happiness is to be thankful. And so he, he talked about uh, what is uh, gratefulness. He said this, We are spontaneously grateful when we receive something of value that is freely given. I perked up. We receive something of value that is, that is freely given. I thought, Brother David, are you going to speak of grace now in front of this audience? He did not. He said, uh, this, this gift can be something really big in your life, or it can be something very simple like the moment, like the breath you take right now, like this moment of, of us being together. There is something that we can be grateful for uh, in this moment. As I listened to this talk, um, well, I thought he was profoundly right, and fundamentally wrong. 
I really agreed with them, and I really disagreed with them. Because not once did the Benedictine monk mention God. I suppose that this is an important part of his life, and perhaps his audience and the organizers encouraged him to take this out. But for me, to say be thankful and to take out the most important piece of thankfulness, why be thankful ultimately? So this evening, I would like to, uh, in the next few moments, deliver a happy message. I would like us to, to count our blessings. And uh, like I said, we're not going to uh, delve into all of the theological particularities of Ephesians 1. But I'd like us, just for a few moments, to reflect together on how we can count our blessings and be thankful with God as the most important part of our thankfulness. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. God has a will, and this will is for the broad sweep of human history. This will is for his church, and this will also is for you and I personally as individuals as well. To the saints in Ephesus. Very often we think of saints as extra special people who have made themselves distinctive in world history in some way. But here Paul says to the saints in Ephesus, to God's holy people, in other words, not because you are holy in and of yourselves, but because you are holy through Jesus Christ. So you and I are saints. So it is appropriate for me to say, ah, Saint Sophia, hello. It's a nice alliteration there, that's why I picked her. But Saint Sophia, and we are all saints in this room, in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, blessings that we will soon read about that we do not deserve. And peace, it is a contentment that everything in life will turn out all right. Because, as we confessed earlier this evening, God is providential. God is in control. And so we have this blessing of peace, something to be thankful for. Verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. If you want to find a nice, uh, concise passage For the blessings of the Old Testament, uh, you turn to Deuteronomy 28. If you want to find out the the curses of failing to follow the Sinai Covenant, turn there as well for some depressing reading. But tonight is happy. Uh, Look at the blessings of the covenant in the Old Testament. 
Deuteronomy chapter 28. And if you were to look there, you would see that the blessings of the covenant is everything big, everything abundant, family, crops, food supply, wealth, influence in the world, defeat from enemies. It is big. And so here we have in Ephesians 1, it's, it's kind of, think Deuteronomy 28 and apply that in a spiritual sense, and that is yours in Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, what are those spiritual blessings? Well, we're going to go through some of those uh, as we uh, look further down in, in Ephesians 1. Uh, verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Uh, verse 4. Uh, I, think of, uh, I think of this verse, uh, chosen, and my mind immediately goes to uh, the playground in grade school. And uh, sometimes we would, we would play football, something on the playground. There'd be two captains, and they would pick teams. You would get chosen for a team. Now, I usually was picked in the middle, okay, because I was not one of the big guys, so I chose them first. Um, but I was reasonably athletic, so, you know, okay, Wiener, yeah, come here. Yeah. So I was in the middle. I was, not, I was not last, and I always felt bad for the guys picked last, you know. Um, that's not the idea here. The idea here is not pride, oh, I was picked first, or, you know, I'm just completely nothing. Uh, but there is this idea of humility that I don't deserve to be chosen, but I am. And it isn't just, you know, like on the playground, well, I'll take you because there's nobody left. It is, I'll take you because I love you, because you. I declare you are my child. The love of God poured out upon his people in, his, in the chosenness. We are chosen to be holy, to be holy and acceptable before God. Verse 5. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So God doesn't just choose us to be acceptable before him. I have declared you holy in Jesus Christ, and so you are sinful, you are now declared holy, and okay, I accept you. I mean, that's good, but God goes even further. You are not merely acceptable, you are a part of my family. You are approachable, you are adopted into God's family because of Jesus Christ. You are not merely a servant in the kingdom of God, for which I would be grateful for. But even more than that, you are a family member in the kingdom of God. And why? Because of the love of God. Verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. God's grace is glorious, and it is a free grace. When I think about this, this makes what we believe in sing and soar in a world 
with so many competing belief systems. When you think about the other belief systems of the world, where do they lead you? Primarily, if you really think about it, they lead you to meaninglessness or they lead you to here's what I need to do to be approved, to be accepted by the deity or whatever the goal of the spiritual system is. Here's what I need to do, or ultimately, logic takes you to the meaninglessness of life. But here is a beauty, is something that sends our spirits soaring. It is God's glorious grace that is freely given. What a blessing that is and something to be so thankful for. Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. What is the cost of our holiness? The cost of our acceptance, the cost of our adoption. The cost is high. The cost is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a blessing and a gift that is to us. Verse 8. That he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. That he lavished on us. How much grace? Lavishing grace. Abundant grace. A no-holding-back grace. A, I, the idea of being showered upon and poured out upon grace. This is big-time grace that he lavished upon us. Verses 9 and 10. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ, to be put in effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. He has made known to us, made known to us. Every day, if you think about it, every day we are busy. We are busy with knowing. We are busy with doing with controlling, with discovering, with learning, with purchasing, with consuming. Now, all those things that I just said, what is, what is in common about all of those? They're all dependent upon us, upon us doing something. They're all dependent upon us. Now, when it comes to understanding ultimate truth, when it comes to really getting ultimate truth... Humans, well, we often want to discover it for ourselves because if we come up with it for ourselves, we can control it and manipulate it to our liking. But who are we when you think about it? So small, so frail, really on a universal scale, such limited understanding. Who are we to come up with ultimate truth? And God says, you can't on your own. And so, in my grace, my gift, I reveal it to you. I reveal it to you. God reveals ultimate truth to us through his word 
and through the word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, that truth is revealed. And Jesus is a saving truth and a unifying truth. What a blessing that is. Verses 11 and 12. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Now, 11 and 12 are very similar to verses 4 and 5. Both use the words chosen and predestined. The point I'd like to make here is, is so often in life we focus on the problem in the moment. And we fail to see individual situations in light of the big picture. So we can get so consumed and so stressed over over this right here that we fail to recognize the big picture that simply we are God's. He has a plan for us. He has chosen us. We are his. Now, uh, the problem that children can have. Kids, you can plug your ears. Here's the problem. Is, uh, well, let me say it this way. Okay. The child says, this is so unfair. I can't believe it. Why are you saying, let me do this. Come on. And, oh, it's a big issue, right? Oh, come on. Now, what's happening there? I'll, I'll tell you what's happening. The child is looking only at the situation right in the moment. The parent, because of parent school, of course. Wink, wink, okay. Because the parent, what is the parent doing? The parent instinctively looks at the big picture of the child. I mean, it's just something that we do, okay? We just don't look at the moment, We're considering all these other factors when the child is just sort of laser-focused on the situation at hand. The parent is loving, wants the best. Maybe the child doesn't like this decision. Well, get over it. I love you. I care for you. I'm going to provide for you. This is good, being in this family. Well, sometimes you and I are tempted act like children, and uh, we kick and grumble and complain. And why do we do that? Because we're focused on the moment. We fail to see our loving God and Father who cares for us, who provides for us, and who has lavished his grace upon us. He knows what's going on. We are in his grip, and we can rest in that. Verse 13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit just worked on certain special occasions. Oh, yeah, 10 years ago, the Holy Spirit spoke through this prophet. Oh, yeah, a hundred years ago, Isaiah, you know, this Old Testament. And here we are. What a gift, what a blessing that the Holy Spirit is given to the people of God. We live lives 
with the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And so Jesus says in John 16, 7, very truly I tell you, he's addressing his disciples, he's addressing us, I believe. Jesus says, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying, I promise, will, the Holy Spirit. And then uh, verse 14. The Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glorious grace, until the redemption of those who are God's possession. We are redeemed, but we are not completely redeemed. Uh, Yes, we are already saved, but yet we are not completely saved. There is still something much, much better to come. Is it that eternal life in Jesus Christ, the perfect life, the new heavens and the new earth, when we receive our new body? And what a blessing that is. And this is an assurance and a guarantee. I know I am God's. And I know, I know, maybe I know he will bring me to himself, being thankful. Early in marriage, I was working at a church in Grand Junction, Colorado. I was newly married, and our little town home was just a block walk from the church building. So uh, one day, I, I went home for lunch. I was, I was young, my young wife, and, and we had lunch. And after lunch... We just got really frustrated with each other. Oh, it was not good. She was frustrated with me, and I was frustrated with her. I even forget really what the issue was, but I remember this. When I walked out of that door, I was not a happy camper. And she was stewing as well in the house. I remember walking back to the church building and going into my office, and my plan for after lunch was to work on a sermon. So I sat at my desk to think great spiritual thoughts, but I was just ticked. And so I'm trying to read the Bible. It's just not working. This is not good, and I I couldn't do it. So I I put that to the side, and uh, an idea came to me. This is the Holy Spirit, right, working within me? idea came to me. I said, I am now going to pray prayers of thankfulness for my wife. And I just began counting my blessings for this beautiful gift of a wife that God had given me. Oh, Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you. I had quite a list going on here. And at the end of my prayer of thankfulness, what happened? God softened and changed my heart. What a, what a wonderful time of prayer. And, and I went on and, and worked on the, on the message. And, and when I went home, I, I didn't go home later with frustration. It was a new added, honey, I am sorry. Let's, let's talk about this. And I love you. I am so thankful for you. And it changed, it changed our, our relationship. 
And so, regardless of what happens in 2014, you and I, we have every reason to live every day in total thankfulness to Almighty God. And if you ever doubt it, this year, just get out your Bible, look over Ephesians 1, and then just spend a moment and pray prayers of thankfulness to your loving God. Amen.